Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, when I heard Tom Jones was going to be on the podcast, I got all excited. I thought we would be uh, laughing and cutting it up. But instead, there's a very serious issue that happened on Monday Night Football. And it's something, Tom, that has not occurred that I can remember. A game being postponed um, early in the game because a Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, collapsed on the field after a hit of another player. He was administered CPR. He was taken by ambulance to a local hospital where as we're doing this podcast, he was remained in uh, critical condition, according to the NFL, and they, of course, postponed, uh, which was a very anticipated game between the Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Tom, I know you wrote uh, for the Pointer Institute on pointer.org about the coverage, and I, I was watching ESPN. It is very difficult um, to sort of fill time, if you will, when you're not, you don't have a lot of information. But the pictures of these players and their reaction to what was transpiring on the field was something I've never seen. And I've been covering the national football league for, you know, since 90. So been around a while, uh, clearly, uh, and the players sort of felt, you know, sort of formed a sort of a human wall around the player as, as medical personnel was administering to him. Um, but this was such a, uh, such a serious injury and and they could tell by the fury which with the medical people were working that you know they were not going to continue playing. I I don't know what took so long to cancel this game, and we can get into that. Um, but just your thoughts about what you saw and the coverage of of, of this event. Well, it, what struck me, Rick, is I you know how it is like as we often do. If you're watching you're watching a game, and you're doing stuff at home, and I was kind of yeah. running. Around and, you know, put washing dishes and just cleaning up from the night. And, and I walked back and had the sound almost off for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I walked by and I saw the first thing I saw was Josh Allen with his sort of uh, hand in his face and this like shocked look. And I was like, wait, what, what, what just happened? And then I saw the players and I'm like, Oh, clearly there's been a, a serious injury. My first thought immediately was having not know, known what happened right. was you, you think of you know, as a player, uh, did he make a hit where he, where you're worried about him being paralyzed? That's the first yeah. thought I always mm-hmm. had. So I rewound, I, you know, I did, you know, on a DVR there, I rewound it and I yeah. watched it and I'm like, well, wait, what happened? Like he, he didn't lower his head. It wasn't, he was standing. So he was moving his extremities and all. And then he fell Mm-hmm. And then I did. I had to watch it a couple times before I realized he got hit in the chest, which we could, you know, yeah. it's clearly something happened there. It would seem. Um, but Rick, what what you see the players re- that two things really stood out to me. One was you saw the players' reaction. Players know what it's like when a guy gets hurt and when it's serious or not. But when you mm-hmm. see guys crying and sobbing and turning away, yeah, that's one thing. Now ESPN also did a good job of not trying to zoom in. But right. also the, they had that player showed. When I heard Rick, they were doing CPR on yeah. on him. That's when it suddenly goes from, oh, I hope I hope this guy's okay. To oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. this is life and death at this point. Yeah. Unlike you, Rick, I've never. You've covered a lot of football. I've covered a lot of football. I've I don't remember anything close to this where. You know, you always have these worst fears about somebody, something really bad happening on a football field. It yeah. usually comes because you're afraid a guy's going to get paralyzed. Something like this, though. When, like I said, when I heard the CPR thing, that's when all of a sudden it was like, oh, my gosh, this is bad. Yeah. And, and there's been players, you know, um, I can recall many years ago, uh, and you were in Minnesota, players who have collapsed uh, in training camp. Um, Corey Stringer, I think, was one, I believe. Yeah. Was he not? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's been, you know, college players have, have difficulty in certain drills. And, you know, you find out sometimes that they um, – maybe it's heat exhaustion or they have a heart problem that, that was undetected or whatnot. I mean, we, we remember – we've seen this, right, in, in sports. 
Um, but not on a football field and not after a collision, right? And, you know, the thing about the National Football League, and, and you know, I don't know this this uh, player's, you know, Hamlin's particular, you know, physiology. He's, he's a, a, a sixth-round pick predominantly as I just look at, you know, we went to Pitt, but if I look at his sort of his makeup, same high school as Dan. Grew up in Pittsburgh. Same high school as Dan Marino. By the Dan way. Marino, yeah. yeah. Um, he uh, he's a smallish guy. What I mean by that, yeah. he's not the thickest guy. He's not the tallest guy. He's a little wiry. So my guess is he probably dropped in the draft because of his his you know physicality or lack thereof. Um, and you know, and I've never having not played football, and my son did, but I've never really completely understood how you know if you ever if you ever pick up one of these helmets and swing it. And crack something with it. Um, it. It's unfathomable to me that these guys have flesh and bone running into these things, right? It's, it's inevitable you're going to get hit by one. But to take one in the chest, which is what this appears to have, have occurred, um, and, you know, just I was watching CNN and they had Sanjay Gupta on there, the doctor, and it was, you know, speculating, which is always a dangerous thing to do. I realize right. that. Um, but I've had some people in the neighborhood that watched it too. One, one works with a cardiologist and said, Hey, it appears to be, you know, like a contusion to the chest that may have caused, um, some heart problem. And, you know, clearly if you're going to administer CPR, um, you're concerned both about the pulmonary issues, but also the oxygen or the lack thereof. Um, so yeah, it's just, um, it's one of those things where, you know, you become sort of numb to the performance, right? Like these guys make these choices and, and they have lived their dreams. And um, this is a sport that, that has so many great elements to it from a team standpoint, character. Uh, you know, it's taken a lot of people from different circumstances in life and very few ever make it here. They are, they are truly living a dream if they get to the National Football League. And yet, Tom, as I as I cover this this sport more, I become less tolerant of just the absolute toll that it takes on on the men who play it. I'm telling you, man, I it's just bigger, faster, and you can say we're going to take head injuries out of the game, and you can legislate where you can hit players, but um, you're talking about split second reactions and things like this. I don't know what I think about football anymore I know. and the I know toll it. it takes on players. And I don't know if we should have this sort of bloodlust in some respects. I mean, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but like we enjoy the physicality of the game. I think that's why we watch it. That's why the Pro Bowl, the way it became, didn't work anymore because it was touch football. Right. And now they're literally playing flags on them. We won't watch that. We want to see the physicality of the National Football League and football in general, and yet it, it exacts a toll on these guys. And, you know, even the ones that don't get severely injured or anything close to what we saw DeMar Hanlon suffer, there's injuries, and we know this, right, whether it's head trauma, CTE, problems down the road, dementia, you know, um, Dwight Clark, who I knew very well at the end of his life, uh, you know, ended up with... Uh, ALS, which mm-hmm. football players have a proportionally higher instance of than other, the regular human beings. So it, 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 this is just a stark reminder that, man, these guys are really risking some stuff here. And I know there's other professions where you know there's an inherent risk. I'm not trying to say, well, you know, what about, you know, law enforcement? What about, you know, servicemen? And, yeah, you know, whatever. They're, they're, yeah. They take that on too. Um, but we kind of are numb to it, I think, a little bit. Absolutely, and it takes these moments to make us. I think we all know deep down, like you just said a moment ago. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a column a couple of years ago. Remember when Warren Sapp came out and talked about yeah. having some of the issues where he he went to a store and didn't remember why he was That's there. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. you've heard stories of other NFL players um, who write their addresses down on you know mm-hmm. on their bracelet, and yeah. so they know how to get back home again. Or yeah. you know, it's like it's like. Those like kids going to the airport, like you know, mm-hmm. travel by themselves. They have a little slip of who they are and where they're supposed to be going. There's a, you're talking about adults that 
uh, Mike Webster was a player I followed very closely, and he had yeah. some serious issues at the end of his career. But I remember when, when Warren Sapp had his uh, – where he talked about it and talked about mm-hmm. some of the problems he was having. I remember writing a column at the time and comparing the NFL to, like, Rollerball. Remember that movie Rollerball that came out I years do. ago? And it was like this – it was run by this big corporation, and yep. um, you know, and it was it was bloodlust, and the fans wanted it. And it was, and these guys were essentially killing themselves for sport, for our sport, for our entertainment, and right. um, and there, it's, I, I was, it, it really wasn't. I really wasn't being facetious when I wrote it. I, I was making a legitimate comparison between rollerball. And the National Football League, Rick. I love the NFL. You know, I, since I stopped writing the sports column a couple of years ago, I I literally spent this past Sunday. We're taping this Monday night, right after the Monday night game. Uh, I'm taping. I watched Sunday, the Red Zone for seven and a half hours. Didn't move. <laughs> we do, I, it all and time. I'm like that every week. I I said <laughs> I do that crazy. thing. My, my, greatest my, invention my, ever, man, was Red it Zone. Is. I'm telling you. My, I do that thing where the, my remote, like. The TV screen comes gone. Like, hey, did you leave the room? You're like, this channel's been on for a long time. I'm going to shut your TV off if you don't do something. Right, right. And I have to hit the button to go. No, no, I'm watching. It. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm here. And and then I get quit done. asking me every three hours. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then I take a break for a few minutes and then watch all the Sunday night football game. And then was sitting down watching the Monday night game. So yeah. look, I'm as much. I'm not. I'm not pointing a finger. Here's my point. I'm not putting no, it here like we're shame all big on the NFL. Consumers, man, we're I make my living doing you, it. We make a living doing it. That's right. Yeah, I get paid because of it. Right. We're talking about it right now on a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. um, I, there is some guilt associated with it when when you realize that what these guys are putting themselves through. We shouldn't need these reminders, but um, mm-hmm. but I tell you what, Rick, you we were talking about it earlier. And like I said, I I don't ever remember the NFL. Maybe it's happened somewhere. I don't remember it. Where an NFL game was canceled or postponed, I, I think it's a first. I'm, in the middle I'm of the game. fairly confident that's the case, and in, in during the actual game itself. Um, and I'll be interested to know because you know there's always a lot of speculation and, and some misinformation that's going to tumble out. Um, it, while I was listening to the radio or somewhere, they, there was a, a report, and I don't know where it originated, that they said that the, that the teams were told that in five minutes they would begin warming up again. Right. And then there was the you know the videotape of the two coaches coming together. They were on a phone, presumably with somebody from the league, um, and it was clear that you know neither team wanted to continue, and nor should they, right? Um, and so I, I, you know, again, you can speculate about how the league would want the NFLPA to have the same conclusion, and then somebody in corporate has to write a statement. NFLPA is going to write theirs. You're going to write yours. When are we going to release it? You know, there's a lot of sort of moving, you know, administrative parts that you want to get right. Um, but it took a it took a while for them to cancel this game. And yeah, you it know was what? Pretty early on that they were not going to play it. You know, I thought so too. And I and I know that I know the NFL. I'm not, I look. I'm the last one to carry water for the National Football League. Um, right. But. I will give them a little bit of a. I'm not going to say a pass. I want to find out more. I don't. I don't think at any point I'd be surprised. Quite frankly, I'd be shocked. Obviously, there's no way know. they thought they were going to play that game. No, right? and I don't think the NFL was like trying to like. Are we sure? Are we sure we want to cancel this? Like maybe you guys can get back. I, I well, don't. What think, if they had an update of his condition, or they were waiting for more more information? I think that. I mean, that's what you're waiting for. More information. You're waiting for now. I don't think there was at any point. You know, and and we're as we're recording this, mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what his uh, what his condition is. You know, for, we know correct. he's in critical condition, but we don't know. We don't know. That's all we know. We just have that word. He's in critical condition, whatever that means. But right. I'm sure the NFL at that point was look. It, it had they canceled the game or postponed it or, or said we're not playing tonight about an hour after the incident. Now you figure. You know, they looked like they were in constant contact with the game officials, with mm-hmm. I'm sure with medical personnel and mm-hmm. the two coaches. So I'm I'm going to be, uh, like I said, I'm not giving the NFL a total pass here, but I'm I'm not going to criticize them because I think ultimately a they did the right thing, and I don't think there was ever I'd be shocked if there was ever a moment where they actually thought the game was going to be played to, uh, yeah. on Monday night. I'm just curious, and this is not really kind of related to this specific incident, but along those lines, we both covered teams and we've both seen injuries and severe injuries at times. 
Um, and it's difficult to report on them when they're actually happening because, look, everybody has a right to privacy with HIPAA and everything else, right? You're not just going to walk into a hospital and expect an explanation from, you know, some surgical team that's involved. So it's difficult when it gets to that level. And obviously the teams are going to be even more reticent to putting out any statements or anything like that. So did you ever um, cover an event where a player or players got got injured and, you know, had to be hospitalized or had to go to a hospital where you had to had to follow that up or you ever you ever yeah I mean, the the worst and I know I I know you're going to talk about one in particular that you covered yeah. um but but one I that was different than that one was um uh I covered the UC, the UCF USF game a few years ago when Mackenzie Milton the quarterback from UCF oh, yeah. badly yeah. broke his leg and we right. found out later that it was actually quite serious there for a while they were worried mm-hmm. about him you know either a losing his leg or mm-hmm. could that you know could it have hit somewhere where it could have, it could have lost enough blood where you know it would have been a really touch and go situation? I remember right. covering that game. That was a really exciting game. It was or a really big build up for that game. UCF, mm-hmm. you know the the whole war on I four and all that. And the game was played day after Thanksgiving at USF at Raymond James Stadium. Um, and I and it happened early in the game. And UCF, I believe, was undefeated at the time. And there was right. talk about a national championship and could they actually compete for a national championship. And I remember as soon as that happened, it was like nothing else mattered. I was like, why are we here? And that was my column. Like, what's the point of all this? Right. Like, this is like none of this other stuff, national championships or UCF, try, or USF trying to finish the season strong. All this, all the things that we talked about for a week leading up to it, none of it mattered. And all you felt was this horrible for this poor kid who suffered this gruesome injury. And from what I, I talked to some of the players who were right there, I mean, it's, kids were practically throwing up after what they seen, what, you know, what his leg looked like. So yeah. that was the one that I remember after the game. I think I'm thinking the the coach at the time was, was Josh Heupel might have been the coach. At I think UCF uh, at the time. Um, uh, it could right? have been him or Scott Frost, right? Yeah, that was after that. I think it was Josh Heupel. So I remember yeah. talking after he had a news conference after the game. He was really emotional, and it was – you could tell like nothing else mattered, and 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 the and the team was the kids were still in shock, even though now that game continued clearly, and mm-hmm. um, now obviously we found out later that it was a little dicey, but we didn't know at the time yeah. that that it, that it could have been bad enough where he might have lost a leg or something, um, but that was the one that stands out to me. Now I, I was at the game that that I think you're going to bring up, and and yeah. you and you know much more about this situation than I. Yeah, this one. Was- I mean, and it, and it really was a lot more serious than um, than the Bucks ever let on. That's for sure. Um, different regime, obviously, but Chris Sims, who I still talk to today quite often, was playing against Carolina in an afternoon game. It was hot that day too, as I recall, and he got hit uh, in the midsection. Oh, he got hit a lot that day because. The offensive line was not good, and Chris stood in there. He was one of the tougher guys that I've ever covered, and he stood in there until the last second and tried to deliver the ball, and he took shot after shot. And this was a really good Carolina defense, I want to say, that had either just been or was going about to go to the Super Bowl themselves. Uh, and they were they were ferocious, and they got after it. And Chris took a number of beatings, almost to the point where from the press box you could see that he was in distress towards the end of that game. Yeah. Uh, and there was one hit in particular around the midsection that he didn't get up from very well. And and I thought he was starting to turn gray, to be honest with you. So the game yeah. ends because it was sort of late in the, the, the fourth quarter or the second half maybe. Um, and the game ends, and we go down uh, like we always do after the game to, to talk to players and whatnot, and Chris isn't available yet. He's being looked at by trainers. And I've seen – Look, I've seen a lot of players get IVs. I've seen a lot of players, you know, not talk right away because they've got one injury or another. They're in treatment, you know, very Maybe often. Maybe getting an X-ray on a rib or something. Yeah, getting an X-ray on yeah. a rib. I mean, there's this is this is not uncommon. So we do, we interview everybody else, and we're waiting on Chris. And the next thing you know, uh, they're putting him in an ambulance, and he's headed to Tampa General. And that's when it got real. And so, you know, long story short, and everybody's probably read it by now, um, he lacerated his spleen which is a very serious injury 
and there was a lot of internal bleeding. When I say a lot, I mean a lot. How do we know this? Well, it wasn't immediately available from the hospital, which we had, which we went to. Um, and there were very few details there. The Bucks obviously were given even less details. And I finally got a hold of his mom, which, of course, you know, Chris Sims, right, has a famous dad and, you know, sure. Phil Sims, and we all know him. And um, I called up to New Jersey. I got his mom, and she said, we're trying to get down there. We're, we're talking to the doctors. He's in critical condition. I went, critical condition? Yes. They, they've had to give him a transfusion. And she says he, he may have lost or is going to need five pints of blood. They opened him up, and his belly was full of internal bleeding Ugh. to the point where they couldn't save the spleen. They had to remove it, um, which can be a serious thing. But um, in any event, it was very serious. And had they not gotten him there any sooner, he could have died. He could have bled out. Um, but thank God they did. And yet there was there was a lot of, you know, second guessing about, hey, he went to the locker room. You gave him IVs. You didn't diagnose him of having a possible internal injury and put him back on the field. The whole time his spleen was bleeding, you know. But that, that could have turned into something awful. And then the next year... He had this surgery and, and, you know, he's cut the abdomen and everything. And there was all kinds of nerve damage because of that operation. He had no idea where the ball was going, man. I don't know if you remember guys like Steve yeah. Sachs or Mackie Sasser. He was the base. He was the football version of that. Right. And I watched him in training camp to the point where I could see he had no control of, of, of his body, of his arm. And it was painful to watch. And so finally I, I got, I knew Chris very well. So we talked about his surgery and he said, look, I'm having trouble and it's not uncommon with abdominal surgery because they cut me from here to here. And, you know, I just, it's going to take me a while for those nerves to come back, et cetera. And the Bucks denied it and said, there's nothing wrong with them. And, you know, John Gruden was a coach then. All I know is, you know, my son's charted every, every throw and, you know, he's made this many throws. And the biggest denier was, you know, their general manager at the time, Bruce Allen. And not to be bitter, but it's when he had a press conference called me Dr. Stroud and all right, that stuff. Right. Well, they wound up putting Chris Sims on IR <laughs> because yeah. he couldn't get it back. And this was months after it had happened in the previous season. Um, and Chris Sims played a little bit more, but never really was able to get back to the level he was when he was playing for the Bucks, and, right. and had a very short career after that. So that's the closest I came to something that could have turned very, very serious. Um, I know you know of injuries in hockey that you know. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple like where guys got yeah, guys got like sliced up pretty good yeah. um, with skates, and you know the fam- most famous hockey story probably was goaltender Clint Malarchik who got yeah. kicked in the throat and sliced mm-hmm. open his jugular, and uh, you know there was a few moments there where it was like, yeah, he may, you know, yeah, he might he's die, not going to yeah. make, and he and and he had some he had some serious issues after that. You know, he dealt with some mental issues. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sort of. Uh, anxiety issues from then on trauma, and yeah. yeah trauma and he's uh you know he's gone on i think to to speak about it quite extensively mm-hmm. and help other people with it but um yeah. something that certainly uh, has lasted uh you know it went beyond just one injury you know it went be it's, right. it's affected the rest of his life you know i don't know rick well, it's just uh it's just hard it's obviously it's hard to watch and then you know, and you, and you feel bad because everybody, you know, it was such a big game. You know, Bills, Bengals, oh, you're yeah. all excited to watch it. And oh, yeah. we're almost coming up on the playoffs. And yeah. and and um, and then you just realize, like, well, none of it matters. None of it matters. You know? What do you think about the coverage? Because you, you focus sometimes on, like, what how TV um, – and it's difficult to kill airtime when you don't really have much information, right? They would, they would alternately, at least as far as um, ABC or, or ESPN – Disney did. Um, they they kind of would go to the stadium, and Lisa Salters, who I thought, did a good job. Yeah, I thought of she was the great. sideline. You know, describing the scene, and we had there were good pictures of players' reactions, which which you told the story right. You didn't have to say anything. Uh, and then Joe Buck and Troy Aikman did the best they could with little information they had. And then they went back to the studio. And I, I I thought it was difficult at first for like Burger McFarlane. Um, Else, and Adam uh, Schefter and, and Susie Adam Schefter Culver, and yeah. Susie Culver, which I which I, I I didn't really you know I I don't know what they could have really added. I mean they, they were in a bad one's, spot. One's yeah. a player, but it's 
with the lack of information, then there's the emotion, right? How much emotion should you show if you're in that situation trying trying to describe what's going on to a public that knows very little more than you do? Yeah, I and that's 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 why I I tend to cut people a break on that. I'd rather them say nothing and be boring than mm-hmm. to start speculating. The worst thing right. you could do is speculate. And right. and beyond that, the other worst thing is be gratuitous about it. They yes, mm-hmm. I thought ESPN did a real good job of not showing the replay a, a million times. Yes. Um yeah. I and, saw it twice. Yeah, I it. saw it twice, same. And and um you know, like the first time I saw it, and I thought showing it twice is they did a good job because it at least lets you know that okay, here's what may have happened. You sort of, as a mm-hmm. viewer, get to see for yourself because, like I said, the first thing I thought was head injury or neck injury. I thought concussion. I right. was thinking of Tua from not many weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. You but know, then you see the replay and you're stand like, up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not that. You know, it's something mm-hmm. else. Um, so I thought they did a good job not being gratuitous about it. Um, but you're right, Rick. I mean, the, I thought the studio was really awkward. Um, I thought Susie Colbert was strongest when she was sort of the first one to come out and say, why are we even talking about trying to play tonight? Like this game should be yeah. over. She was yeah. she was good on that. I watched a little bit of the like all the cable networks, Fox News, mm-hmm. CNN, CNN, and MSNBC. Rachel Maddow. They all went to this story. Um, but again, it's the same. You know, they sort of bring in people. You know, Bob Costas and Christine Brennan and yeah. you know Bill Roden and Kevin Blackystone, mm-hmm. and they all had you know good things to say and appropriate things to say. But ultimately, it's you're just you want to acknowledge that there's a big story, but you really don't know what else to say. Because you have you no don't details. Have it, you have yeah. no information. You know, so I I thought it was helpful on CNN. At least you had a doctor who could speculate. Again, not knowing exactly what was going on, but could at least give you a a medical view of the various things that why you would require CPR. You know, um, the location of the hit. You know, <laughs> why right. why that might be significant. So that was helpful to me just in listening to it. Um, so, yeah, we'll just, you know, you pray for this kid. I mean, was he 24 years old? 24 years old. Second year in the league. Yeah. Yeah. There's video of him out there hugging his mom before the game. And it's uh, yeah, it's tough to watch. So. And the other thing that, you know, for those that, you know, for what we do, um, because, you know, when you, when you cover teams and you're, you're there every day, as you have been, Tom, and I have been, you really do understand that that these guys spend more time with each other than they do their families, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, during during a given season, whether it's hockey or football, uh, certainly baseball, you know, they live with each other all these days, and there really is a brotherhood, a a, a family. Um, these these people become like family to you. You care about them. You know their wives. You might know their children. All those things, and that's what's so difficult is that, you know. The, the, it's it's such a, a tough thing if you're if you're a teammate you know to at some point in the future go back out there you know and play uh unless you know your teammate is going to be okay but at some point the the bills will have to do that you know um well you know what? my wife my wife commented because we were watching she 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 saw me looking at the screen she's like what's mm-hmm. going on and i said this guy got hurt yeah. uh, or something happened to him and and she was struck by how Bengals and Bills players were mingling amongst one another and talking yeah. to one another and hugging each other. Yeah. And I said, yeah, it's all brotherhood. They're all in this together. And I said, yeah. the thing is a player, and this is the other thing, is, and, and I know, I don't know, I, it's hard to describe, Rick, but like I don't know how these players don't look at it and say, well, that could have been me. Or well, I think, if yeah. I go out on Sunday, next Sunday, it could be me. Right. Like there's got to be a fear. Now, I guess it's like seeing a car accident and it could be any one of us in a car accident tomorrow. But yeah. at the same time, there's I just wonder if there if ever when you see somebody who's very close. But if to that you, was a family member in a, in a car accident, you yeah. probably would feel different when you drive. Certainly when you're in it, the next time you get in a car, you drive like one mile not an think hour. About it, yeah. That happened many times. Sure. But if a family member were severely hurt, you would you would be thinking about it, I think, right. more than just if you drove by some random crash, right? Right, right. So, I mean, obviously, we'll find out more in the coming days. Hopefully, by the time you hear this broadcast, he's con- mm-hmm. uh, you know he's continuing to improve. Right. But, um, eh, just off. That was the first. It was the first. I've not seen a game canceled. Um, you know that 
quickly after an injury like that were to occur. So, um, and it, I think it's also, and I'll just the final thing I'll say about it is, I I think there is a much heightened sense of community, um, of you know, look, I don't know what would have happened twenty five years ago. I don't know if this guy would have been carted off and then the game would have continued, but it's not going to happen again, right? Because I think. I think everybody's a little more aware of what is on the line for these guys as human beings than they ever used to be. And that's a good thing. Right. You know? I think that's a good thing. I think I think the right thing was done, and you'd like to think maybe it would have been done 25 years ago, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Really sure. But all, but I do know this now. Like They play more games than they did 25 years ago. Well, they keep sure. adding games to the schedule. and yeah, I mean, these seasons are so long, and I know they're, right. they try – they try to protect the guys, and they don't hit as much in practice. And yeah, it's difficult it's, to make a game safer with the size and speed of these athletes, and and it's 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 only getting more violent. The collisions, and I don't know. I worry about football. Um, that's a discussion for another time about you know whether moms and dads will want their kids to play the sport, but um, but it is at that level. At the end, very few people ever make it that far, but at that level, it really is. Um, you really are risking a lot. And uh, well, I, again, I got a I got a text tonight from a friend of mine who, and unfortunately, this you know, it's it's something. They texted me and they said that for the last several years I've been saying I'm surprised something like this hasn't happened already. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I used I've said quite often we are going to see a day when something really bad happens on a football yep. field. I would agree. And, I agree. I've been saying that with you. Yeah, yeah, you and I have said mm-hmm. it to one another that, that there will come a time where there yep. will be a night like tonight. Yep. And unfortunately, tonight happened. Yeah. All right, well, let's turn our attention to uh, more positive things, at least locally, about a, a certain NFL team. How surprised are you that the Bucks won a division, albeit at 8-8, eight and eight, but you've seen how they've done it coming back in four different games? With Tom Brady finally finding Mike Evans and what was clearly their their best outing throwing the football. And does it matter? Should we care? Should fans care? Because I'm getting, you know, Buck's Twitter is a is a difficult neighborhood, man. It's dark, there's glass, there's, <laughs> you know, no pavement on the roads. It's really it's a dangerous place. Dogs barking, everything. Um, but these these folks seem to think that it's not good enough to win a division because you're barely 500 and it's a terrible division and you're surely going to lose in the first round. Fire everybody. And I'm sitting here going, okay, let's just take one step back and say it's only the eighth time in the history of the franchise that they've even won a division and it's the first time they've ever won one back-to-back ever. Are we getting a little too... Well, my response to that is my my response to this is it's a bad division. You've got a losing record. (laughs) (laughs) So you're that guy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm that guy. Look, I mean, everybody's like saying, oh, oh, this is another great comeback against Sam Darnold. Oh, well, what about uh, Trace McSorley? Uh, last time hey, I they saw beat Trace one Mc... team win a winning record. They beat the Dallas Cowboys. Now they were 0 and 0 at the time. They (laughs) did beat the Dallas Cowboys. There you go. Cleveland Browns. You're losing. You're losing to Jacoby Brissett. Um, they, oh, they we got killed. a list. Of, we got a list of quarterbacks now. If you really want to oh, hear, that's them. what I'm saying. You lose to Mitch yeah. Trubisky for crying out loud. Like, yeah. I don't know, Rick. I'm just. Um, I think it comes down to one thing, and you and you follow this team obviously a lot closer than I do. Uh, it's it's painful to watch that offense, and I think that offensive line is just so beat up. But when you know, I was stunned. What I, the best sign that I saw Sunday was like Mike Evans. I think Mike mm. Evans. Um, and I don't think it's all been his fault, but I think Mike Evans has been a this, for most of this season. I now I've never been on the Mike Evans train where I thought he's a top five receiver. I always thought he was between five and ten. Um, I never thought top five. This year, I didn't even think he was like top twenty five for most of the season. But the way he played the other day gives me a little bit of hope. And that defense, I think, Rick, is pretty good. It's getting better as the season goes along. There, That defense keeps him in game. So I'm not saying they can't win a playoff game, but I'm just saying it's only based on reputation. Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and a defense that's been pretty good. It's not based on anything I've seen this year. Well, 
that's fair, except that I, I guess what I would say is that, yes, they, they have had a lot of moving parts. I think part of going, I think it goes back really to what happened in the offseason, which was Brady retires, Brady unretires. Now let's get as many of these pieces back as we can. And and a belief that this was the same team, that, that now Bruce Arians, who, you know, sort of handed the team to Todd Bowles on almost April 1st, it was March 30th by the time he got it, uh, and couldn't make any changes to a coaching staff. Pretty much had to take everybody as is. That that he was handing him a Super Bowl. Dude. You got a Super Bowl team because Brady's back, and you go win it. You know, and it was never that in my mind. You had pieces of players, but you had Chris Godwin coming off an ACL and an MCL. You didn't have Antonio Brown as crazy as he is. He's a twitch twitch guy that helped you for two years. You didn't have Gronk for goodness sakes. There's no tight end that can play like this guy. You had to draft two rookies. That took time for them to learn how to play. They're still not there. Um, you know, Mike Evans is in his ninth season. So, you know, for all the Ali Marpet retiring and and Ryan Jensen getting hurt, I mean, I guess maybe if the, the, the point of the story is if you have Tom Brady, you're supposed to win with me and you at receiver or at, at guard or center. It doesn't seem, in other words, it doesn't matter that he's 45. Doesn't matter that he has a new coach. Doesn't matter that he has a new offensive line. Doesn't matter that he's so afraid of getting hit, Tom, that he throws the ball like he's turning a double play. Yeah. Once right. he gets it from the center. You know what I mean? Like that thing is out of there, man. And it's hard to play football that way. It's hard to play football that way too. And 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 Rick, like the game has changed so much that if you don't have just a a really good offensive line, and I don't think the Bucks do at the moment have a really good right. offensive line. Um that a guy like Tom Brady, I just a guy, a guy who's a statue back there, is just not going to be that effective a lot of the time. You know, it's yet that's where you need. I look. At, I'll give you a perfect examples. I I look at that Steelers team last year, who by the way made the playoffs a year ago, but they weren't. They may any make good. it again. I got. They news might. For you. I know, but they weren't. They weren't any good last year. But Ben Roethlisberger could not move anymore. And right. that offensive line was uh, – and that offense – no, not like the offense is lighting it up now, but at least Kenny Pickett can move around a little bit. I think in today's game you need a quarterback who can move a little bit. Brady cannot unless you have a great offensive line. Now, when he gets the time – like against Carolina, he had the time, and he was able to, to – uh, and the other thing, Rick, is, uh, is they, they haven't been able to run the ball like they have in the past. And I think yeah. that's been a, been a big key because, you know, the play action with Brady is, is everything. Um, He's the best. Well, explain this to me then. Yeah. Explain this to me. How is it there's been 69 different quarterbacks play this year, which is 32 teams, right? And only one at age 45 hasn't needed anybody to play for him. In other well, words, you... he got hurt in 2008 because he got his ACL blown up in the first quarter of the first game. The man's not missed any game since then. Why is that? You know why that is? Because he doesn't get hit, because he, he is in the pocket, hit. because he doesn't run. Right, that's true. That's true. But he also too, he's not gonna. I don't think quite like he used to, and I'm not blaming him here. No, he, he gets rid I don't of that think thing. He hangs man. on to that thing. No just way. Now, will it come? You know, now playoff time, fourth quarter, down. And maybe this last game, a minute and a half left, and you're down four, and you need a score. Yeah. Will he yeah. hang in there a little bit longer while Micah Parsons is bearing down on him? Like yeah. maybe, you know, he might. Yeah. Look, here's the other thing they got going for him, Rick, and I'll say this. Who do you trust in the NFL, in the no a- particularly in the NFC? Yeah. You know, I think I think San Francisco's probably the best team, maybe. Yes, agreed. But I, could, you could, I mean, are we, we going to trust Brock Purdy forever? Like one of these games he's got to realize. Well, at some like, point, Brock Purdy's going to be behind, right? right? I mean, isn't yeah. that it's always been San Francisco's deal, right, ever since that they went to a Super Bowl and they had Jimmy Garoppolo and they were up 10 points in the fourth quarter? Then all of a sudden, Mahomes puts him behind, and he can't come back. He, yeah. he did, couldn't throw the ball down the field enough. Same thing against the Rams. I think if Brock Purdy gets behind, and Brock Purdy has to throw every down, yeah, their defense is good, and they're always run out in front, and you, you know you can do things with the running backs, and it's all short passes, and that looks good. But at some point, is your quarterback going to make, you know? throws under pressure trying to bring you back down from a score or two in, in a Super Bowl. I don't know that you can do that with him. I, I don't know enough. Maybe you can. Maybe he's going to be I don't know. the next Tom Brady. I have no Maybe. idea. The guy was drafted, you know, you know, in the, the Mr. Irrelevant, for gosh right. sakes. But um, you're right about the NFC. I mean, 
who do you like? Do you like the Eagles, which without Jalen Hurts, and he, I guess he was an MVP candidate, but without him, uh, they've gotten beat up the last two weeks. You know, they've lost a couple games. You know, I don't think Gardner Minshew is that bad of a quarterback, but they, they've been vulnerable. No, um, and now, now they're starting to get some injuries too. You know, and it's they had three uh, on defense the other night. Yeah, right. Minnesota. I, at, I don't know what the Vikings are. That's the I weirdest know. team. That, that is, is the weirdest. weirdest team in the league, by the way. It's so Minnesota. I go. I call. <laughs> I talked to Joe Smith, our old buddy Joe Smith, working. For yeah, the he's up there he now. That Minnesota. I go. Oh, the Vikings are, are are welcoming you to town. He's like, what? They're thirty. I'm like, you're not a real Minnesota yet. I'm like, until you realize, <laughs> you gotta die. Their kickers are gonna miss kicks, and yes. he, he goes, yes. oh, well, that guy's only because because their kicker missed two yesterday. Uh, yep. You know they were getting they were they were getting oh it's wiped. gonna happen they were getting wiped out he goes oh he hasn't missed, he's only missed two kicks all year I go Gary Anderson missed no kicks that year none <laughs> and he, and he and, until he missed one and it was the biggest game the biggest kick of his him, life yeah. Uh, so yeah I look at Kirk Cousins and and that team I don't know here's the thing Rick you you hit on it earlier in our conversation here is that they're in they get they're in the tournament anything right. if you have a chance you always say this. Because I always ask, I'm like, oh, they got no chance. You're like, they're in the game. They have a chance. They're, on, they're playing. playing the game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And That's so, one, of, one of my favorite sports editors once told me that he didn't think the team had a chance, and they were in the game and went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and won it, by the way, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was I, – I look at this I look at this NFC. I'm not even sure Green Bay is going to get in, but if they get in, I could see Aaron Rodgers winning a game somewhere. Sure, he could make a run. Why not? Yeah, next thing you know, it's like, okay, now Aaron Rodgers is coming to Raymond James. Well, isn't it interesting for all the, you know, the the Tua's and this is the AFC, but the, you know, the upstarts, right? The Tua's and and all these guys. You're going to look up and you're going to see Brady and Rodgers got their teams there somehow, right? That's not by accident, by the way. That, that's that's by experience and 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 skill and savvy and and just want to and and pedigree and all those things that those guys are, and listen, if I'm, and I'll write this when it happens, they're going to play either Philadelphia or Dallas, okay, and and Dallas may win that division unless, you know, Jalen Hurts comes back and can can finally pull them out of the the death spin that they're in, but at the end of the day, um. The Cowboys have, I really believe, all their own pressure, right? 25 years of not doing anything in, in, in the postseason, basically. The big star on the helmet becomes a cross, you know, for them to bear because everybody thinks they're going to go to the Super Bowl. And they're going to come into Tampa, if that's where they play, um, as a 10-point favorite. And I've seen this very same team beat them in week one, right? When they may not have been as good, but I assure you the Bucks weren't. And they only they beat them nineteen to three, and I would give Tampa a, a puncher's chance with Tom Brady because you know this Tom in sports in the postseason, it's about whose heart beats the slowest. It really is. Everybody yeah. feels pressure because if you lose, you're all going home. There's no coming back from from today. This is it, and it's who handles that pressure the best. And is there a, an athlete on the planet that has handled that pressure better than Tom Brady? No, not no, and uh, look, like you said, they're in the game. They have a chance. I don't think they're going to go very deep. But if I if they play the Dallas Cowboys, are you are, okay? We're a hundred percent in on Dak Prescott. We're a hundred percent in that the no. Cowboys. How about their well, defense that gave up five hundred yards to Jacksonville the other day? Right, right. five hundred. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Now, before we go, Rick, I have one more question for you. Yes. NFL related, and again, we're taping. This is Monday night, um, yep. late Monday night. It might be Tuesday, Tuesday morning. morning actually, yeah, by the time yeah. we're doing this, um, your boy Jim Harbaugh, where will he be coaching <laughs> next season? Next September, where will he? Where will he be coaching? Knowing that he's your good pal, you haven't talked to him since. I since. haven't talked to him. I'm, I'm upset with Jim, and I'll tell you why. He had a great opportunity this year, and. Even though last year I was surprised they made it to the national semifinal, I wasn't in on his team. This year's team, I was. And I thought they were better than TCU. 
And I, I, so I think they should have won the game. But for some reason, Jim lost his identity and his mind a little bit because they come out and they drive the ball right down TCU's throats like you would expect. They get to fourth down and two, fourth and goal from the two, and they decide to go for it, which I'm all I'm all on board. Okay? I would have taken the, the point. I would have taken the points, but well, but I, get, but I, 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 get, I didn't I have a problem. Saying. I see what you're I didn't saying. have a problem yeah. for him going for it because if you don't make it, you're getting giving them the ball yeah. at the one yard line. If your defense it. is any good, it. you should get it right back. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that you run it down their throats, right, would stand to reason that you're like going to continue to try to impose your will. I need two yards, boys. Let's go. My biggins up front. You're you're. That's what I. That's how I got here. I'm going to ride ride the guy that the horse that brought me. Instead, you call the Philly special. The Philly what? special. I know. Holy cow! And it's almost like somebody told TCU, like, "Hey, they're going to run the Philly special here." Yeah, because they were they. The guy didn't move. Like he wasn't influenced by any of it. Dude just stood there and covered the quarterback. He's like, oh, "I got nowhere to go with the ball." Ah, right, it's over. Yeah, I'm not going to tackle anybody anyway inside. Yeah. And then you know you have a couple bad breaks where a kid for all the world looked like he got in the end zone. They put it back at the one inch yard line. Then you inanely run the fullback dive, which is. Not a play you would typically hand off there. It's just he they outthought themselves. You know, they had two pick sixes and those two touchdowns. You do the math, that's twenty eight points. So I'm mad. Uh, yeah, so that's that said. Yeah, yeah. He flirted with the Minnesota Vikings team that we were just talking about last year. He he wanted that job. I think they looked at him and said, Little yeah. mm, I don't know. It's not for everybody. <laughs> had a new GM, right? Jim Harbaugh is gonna want an awful lot of say, if not all the say. Okay. So he's that guy that he may have to pick your GM. He might have to. Or at very least, it's going to be understood that he's got more power than that guy, right? Here's the one place I think he makes sense. The Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Because Jeff Saturday, loved him on TV, sound like a fun story. He's lost six straight. Right. Here, my, my, by the way, my quick theory on Jeff Saturday, he was never being in consider, serious consideration for being the head coach. I think he went in there. This is my theory. I have no based on nothing. I think Jim Hersa, Jim Ursay trusts Jeff Saturday. Said, come in, coach a team. Give me the inside scoop. You're only going to do this for the rest of this year. I want intel on everybody inside the organization. Ah, from the, okay. From the inside out. You tell me who's worth who's who's made it. I don't what. trust anybody, but I can I don't trust, trust you. But I trust you. You give me you give me the lowdown on what's really going on down. That's okay. Again, just a theory. Just a theory. You might be right. I think he's definitely headed back to to uh, the network, so I don't I don't think he's going to be their head coach next year. No. Um, so if they do go for a guy, look, Harbaugh played in Indianapolis. I think about three years. He ended up on the Ring of Honor. I don't know how. That's just who Ursa is. They almost went to a Super Bowl. Came they within did. a hail mary of winning the a hail mary of, of it. Right. Of going, the guy almost caught it. By the way, <laughs> he had it on his chest. Had on his chest. I recall. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh. Was about, Pittsburgh, I thought right? he caught, yeah, the still yeah. the Cowboy team that ended up going to the Super Bowl, and losing, I believe, to. Uh, Dallas. They lost the Cowboys, the, right? The, I was at yeah. that game in Arizona. Still should have won that game, but that's another story. Neil O'Donnell. Yeah. For Neil O'Donnell sake. with a couple of interceptions yeah, that were egregious. Uh, <laughs> they had the ball and a chance to go down and take the lead with four minutes left, and he threw a pick six. Anyway, yes, not that he I, did. Not that I. Not, not that, that I you remember that it very ever. well. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, but so Indianapolis makes sense for. So the Colts work. make sense. Beyond that, I don't listen. I I just don't think there's a lot of a lot of organizations. Right, a lot of owners that are going to take on Har- Harbaugh. I think he's too, he's too big of a personality. There's too much info about how it ended badly in in San Francisco, and I don't think it was Jim's fault. But you know, Jim's one of those guys that he's an acquired taste man. Sure. It's like, you know, it's a little like John Gruden that way. You know what I mean? He he could win. He's gonna he's gonna shake up the organization. He's gonna build a winning culture. But you know, you're gonna know when he's in the building. Let's put it that way. Well, who's even? What other teams even might be uh, available? Available? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe well, Washington listen, I, could I come think, open. I think Lovey Smith gets fired in Houston. But you you don't want that. No one wants that job, right? Why not? I get the number one pick in the draft. I got okay. a ton of money and salary cap, and I got um, high draft picks. If you're not, I'm, you're I'm, we're, we're thinking like Harbaugh now. So I'm not okay. Maybe that job's interesting. I don't know. I'm just saying, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I first of all, any any guy that has options. And I don't know what options he has, but if you have options, you might want to get yourself to a team that has a quarterback. And if they don't have one, you probably want to get yourself to a team that can draft one high in the first two or three. That's why I'm three, thinking. Two, like the picks. other teams that might be available is, uh, I think I think Ron Rivera might be out in Washington. I just have possibly a, have a feeling about that. Um, mm-hmm. 
Denver obviously is going to be looking for Denver, a, and, and that's a new ownership. You got to take on Russell Wilson. So I want because no Russell Wilson the third is not going any place. Right. So who else? And I mean, what else is there after that? New Orleans, maybe. Well, yeah, well, Carolina is up in the. I don't know if Steve Wilkes has done enough to keep that job. I, he almost won the division. They played really, really well for him. But I don't know. Interim coaches sometimes get a lot of run, and they're never the owner's favorite. They're just trying to get through the season. He probably deserves it, but they may go another direction. So Carolina could be a place. I think Arthur Smith is safe in Atlanta, but I don't know why. Right. You know, you could say, well, they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, well, they drafted Dresden Ritter. They didn't play him. Is he the answer, or are they going to lose enough games to get in the quarterback derby? I just don't know. You know? So Somebody, there's, a number. There, there's, you know, every year there's that, like, oh, no one saw that coming, that firing, you know, Black Monday. Yeah. Somebody threw out, like, just as, like, you had to pick, mm-hmm. like, a surprise. Like, mm-hmm. no one saw that coming. Somebody okay. said Mike Mike Vrabel in Tennessee could be out. Like, um, you know, they got a new GM coming in maybe and all that, you know. So. Well, I think, the, I think the old GM who I know, John Robinson, left right. because Vrabel has the power is what I believe. Okay, so maybe that doesn't happen there. But, the, but, I guess but, over- but no, could that, would that surprise me? It would, but it, it, it wouldn't be totally shocking because right. you could just decide I'm starting over. I don't have a GM, so I'm going to bring in a guy to hire me a head coach because we're tired of going, you know, I don't know. Eight and you know ten and six or whatever. I don't whatever they've been. They they've been to the AFC you know as the number one seed and they 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 don't have a quarterback still. Malik Willis isn't the answer. Ryan Tannehill is probably out of there, and they've lost six in a row. So you know, no matter what you think of Rabel, they're not winning. So I so they they could possibly create an opening there. Create an opening, then you'd have to go out and get like a bridge guy, like a Garoppolo or you know. Somebody like that. Yeah, you got to have a quarterback. If you don't believe in Willis, which you just drafted late in the first round, is from Liberty Stinks. You can maybe get in the Derby again, uh, depending on. But that's the problem. If you're not in the top five or have a lot of draft capital to get there, I I think there might be three quarterbacks in this draft that are really first round worthy. There'll be more drafted, maybe. But once you get past C.J. Stroud and and, I like Stroud in that. He actually impressed me more. He was good in that semifinal game. game. I thought he was really. I thought he made himself some money in that game. Yeah, I really I did. thought so too. The, here's the thing, Rick. I, I, we're naming all these teams, though. I still think Michigan's the better job. I, I, I think the NFL is always going to be there for Harbaugh. I think Michigan still is pretty loaded. I think they have it. You know, now they're going to a playoff here pretty soon. We're going to have you know the. I think they're going to be a pretty regular playoff team. You know, well, they beat Ohio State twice, so the arrow is up for him. Right. Look, I tell you what, I watched my Penn State team uh, under Rose Bowl. They looked pretty good against Utah. They Penn destroyed State, Utah. Penn State had a Penn State had a good team this year. They went eleven and two, and the only two losses were they should have beat Ohio State, but Michigan hammered them. That game, Penn State was up at half, and they should have been down by four touchdowns. I don't know how Michigan totally dominated a pretty good Penn State team. Like I like Michigan a lot. I thought I same with you. I think if they play, and I guess I don't like Michigan particularly. But if they played TCU again tomorrow, I think they would beat them. I, I, that's just my opinion. I think they were the best team in the country. Quite, I think they were the one team that could beat Georgia, quite frankly, Michigan. So I'm not sure if I'm hard if I'm in a rush. And I don't think Michigan's getting well, ready to run Well, he would look like out, he wanted to get out of there last year, though, to me. Yeah, true. But I Because think, I think he felt like I beat Ohio State. I, mean, I was in the national semifinals. What are the chances I'm going to be this hot again? If I want to go back. Here's the other thing that's eating college, college football alive, and it's a whole other podcast is this. These coaches are going crazy with this NIL stuff. Yeah. It's the Wild West. There are there are organizations that are hired to pay kids just to enter the portal. Forget about they don't represent a specific college. They're just paying kids to get in the portal. And then the brokers go and, and ferret out where they're going after that. It's crazy. Tim. It's loony. Well, not only that, with the transfer portal, too. I think you're looking like that's why I always thought for all those years, like why you had Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson were so much better than everybody else's because their second team was as good as their first team. And they would get every team in the country gets injuries. But most teams replace their four star athlete with a two star athlete. Alabama, they had their third string tackle was as good as their first string tackle. And he was going to be a number a first round draft pick in two years instead of next year. You know, so. Mm Now I think if I'm gonna, if I'm if I go to Alabama and I don't play right away and I don't look like I'm going to play right away and I have to wait two years, heck with that, I'll go to USC, I'll go to UCLA, I'll go somewhere's going to pay me, you know. So 
just to uh, come back to something we talked about earlier, NFL Executive VP of Football Operations Troy Vincent on the five-minute warm-up period mentioned in the broadcast, he said, quote, I'm not sure where that came from, five-minute warm-ups. Never crossed my mind. That's ridiculous. That's insensitive, and that's not a place that we should be ever be in. So maybe maybe it really didn't happen, but it was mentioned uh, on the broadcast. But, yeah, you know, I, I just think that college football is becoming a much – probably a much less coveted place to live as a coach because it's not, it's never been about ball. It's always been about recruiting, right? You can only work with these guys allegedly 20 hours a week. And the one thing that the NFL can offer you is plenty of money, maybe not as much job security, but who cares? Cause you're making, you're making so much, but all you do is coach football, you know, and you just got to pick the right situation with a quarterback. Cause that's what this game is always about. And if you got a quarterback and good ownership, they'll they'll keep you around. But I I for that reason, if I'm Harbaugh, I'm probably looking to leave Michigan. Although he, you know, in his mind, he could probably coach there like Bo Schembechler did until he. Yeah, you know, why not? He coach there for another twenty five years. I mean, yeah, I don't think Michigan is looking to get rid of him. I th- I think Michigan realizes who are we going to get to replace this guy is going to give us more cachet than Jim Harbaugh, right? You know, and and even though he was you know sort of out there not beating Ohio State. Now he's beating them twice, and Ohio State looks like the vulnerable team. And so, right. you know, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think I think Michigan is a great place to be, but he might want to take one more crack at the NFL because he was also good at that, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, he went to yeah. Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and John's still coaching in, uh, in Baltimore. Right. Your Steelers are going to make the playoffs, by the way. It's just, the scenario is oh, not. Uh, um, we grew up today. They're, they're going to win again, and I'm going to have to hear that. Day. He's never had a losing season, you know. Mike Thomas never had a losing <laughs> he season. He hasn't. I know. I mean, but, he's a first ballot Hall of Fame player. No doubt about it. They've won four playoff games in like 12 years. Seriously. <laughs> know, and but, look at the quarterbacks. But what about that 08 Super Bowl, huh? Uh, <laughs> it's been that long. <laughs> it has. That was here. I know. It was in Tampa. That's like, I know. And I'm still not sure Santonio Holmes that I'm not sure. I don't think you got that second toe. That second toe didn't. And I I know, and I know Santonio personally, and I don't think he knows if he got it down. I don't think it did. I think it was sitting on top of his other foot, you know. Um, And we've oh, by the way, I I I missed being on last week when Franco Harris passed away. That was a big one, man. That was that one top five all time top five all time Steeler. I think I had him. On my all-time list, number four on my all-time Steelers. A couple like, things about that. Okay, yeah. the immaculate reception, which yeah. I was, we were both young men at that time, very kids actually at that time. Yeah. Wasn't on TV um, in Pittsburgh, by the way. That game was what? not on, blacked out locally in Pittsburgh. Get yeah. out. Yep. Seriously? That was the, it was weird that, yeah. It was, I love uh, the land was, of blackouts back in the day, man. Blacked out in Pittsburgh. Crazy week, by the way, in Pittsburgh because they get the immaculate reception on December 23rd. A week later on New Year's Eve, the Steelers play the undefeated Dolphins in right. Pittsburgh. Again, another quirk in the schedule where they they hosted the game, even though they had yeah, lost three yeah. games and, and the Dolphins had lost none. Right. Dolphins win that game. Worst day in Pittsburgh sports history. Steelers lose in the afternoon that night. Roberto Clemente killed in a plane crash. Oh, my yeah. God. You're right. 50 yeah. years ago. Yeah, 50 years ago. Yeah, 50 years ago, Tom. Say, I know. I know. And I remember. <laughs> that's the sad part. Like I, I know. Like, so I, do not I, from sadly. reading about it, like, from like watching it. But one thing I did ga- gather from this whole Franco Harris, you know, they were running, you know, the Immaculate Reception and, and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which I, you know, lived as a kid. But what I didn't realize is that that was their first touchdown, like playoff touchdown. Playoff touchdown. They had played in one other playoff game, like in the 1940s. Right. And lost and didn't score a touchdown. But that was went, literally your first playoff touchdown, and you won the game in such a manner that it's one—it's probably the icon, most iconic play in NFL history, right? Isn't that right. what it was voted? Yeah, and I yeah, I can't think of a, a play. A the catch play. would be something that would be close to that, maybe. But right. yeah, for but, what it meant to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that—that that was uh, yeah, greatest greatest play in NFL history, I think. And uh, yeah, first touchdown ever. But that started the decade. Like they had that lost began, the next like week. that's that's the actual beginning point like what a what a moment to have an iconic play like that actually start the 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 steeler dynasty right yeah yeah it started i mean they they lost the next week in the afc championship next year they played oakland again in the playoffs it got blown out 
But right. then they, and then the next year after that, seventy four, they for the next six, they won the Super Bowl. And the other thing that was interesting is probably the first use of replay, but nobody admitted it. Like, right? They were playing at Three Rivers, am I right? I believe. Yes. Yes. Where the, where, the, where the Pittsburgh Pirates also played. Mm-hmm. And the referee, because Madden has talked about this many times, Joe, uh, John Madden, went to the dugout phone like you would be calling the bullpen yeah, or something. They called upstairs, and nobody knows who the guy talked to or what the conversation was. But after a few minutes, he came back on the field and said, yeah, it was a touchdown. <laughs> right. And it, like the rule back then well, who'd was you talk it, to? it couldn't go after one. Well, the old joke was, I think that the Raiders started that joke was like, hey, if we call this against the Steelers and give it back to the Raiders and say it was an incomplete pass, because back then it couldn't hit off of one offensive player to another offensive That's player. correct. That was, yeah. That, that rule doesn't Did exist today. Fuqua or whatever. Frenchy you know. Fuqua, yeah. But I, I think it hit Jack Tatum. But of course, I'm. I, biased on that right well if um, jack tatum wasn't trying to take somebody's head off he probably <laughs> could have just right. knocked the ball down exactly that's all he had to do he went for the big hit but um but the the old rumor was hey, like if we hey, if we give this to the to the raiders how many security people can escort or escort us out of the stadium and they said we can give you six he goes six well then six for pittsburgh and <laughs> so apparently that, that was the john madden story or whatever but yeah yeah no, and it was uh and, and but franco harris was a a you know, he was more than just that player. I mean, I think he retired. He was either the second or third leading rusher. I think he's 15th overall now. But mm-hmm. at the time of his retirement, he's like the second leading rusher in NFL history, second or third behind Jim Brown and maybe Walter Payton um, at the time. But, um, yeah, I, and it was funny because I thought he it was he had a big uh, fan club called Franco's Italian Army because so he, he was right. Italian, half Italian. And I didn't get it because I was a little kid. I thought he was Irish because I thought his name was Frank. <laughs> Oh, Harris. I didn't realize his first name was Frank. But he was well, – I fourth I'm all sure time. the Irish would be happy to adopt him. Oh, Delta, everybody took him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought fourth overall as far as players go. Me, Joe Green, I still think greatest, most important stealer of all time. Then followed by Bradshaw. And then – Lynn Swan? No, Ben Roethlisberger next. Like for a Jack franchise. Ham? I love Jack. Oh, ben. Big Ben, yeah. Big Ben three. Not we're not not we're not talking greatest guys of all time. We're just talking <laughs> football players. And then Frank. Oh, Ben's a good fourth. guy. Come uh, on. Yeah, right. Um Jack Ham, my favorite all time athlete in any sport. Jack Ham was the yeah, best, yeah. So they had I mean, boy. Are there enough Steelers in the Hall of Fame? I think the entire seventies team is in the Hall of Fame right now. I know. I know. The sad thing about that whole uh, incident that happened a few weeks ago or a month ago now, whatever it's been is that they had this 50th anniversary, I mean, literally the week of the 50th anniversary of that uh, of the Immaculate Reception, and they were going to honor Franco Harris and everything else, Yeah, um, is when he passed away. It's just, the timing was just incredible. So bizarre. And it wasn't like he'd been sick or anything. No. It wasn't like, you know. Oh, uh, you Apparently know. his cardiac arrest in his sleep or something. Yeah, yeah. So, but every two years old. All time, all time. Uh, that one hit. That one, it's, it's weird. We're getting older, Rick, when, like, Guys that yeah. we followed as kids, like right, who were big yeah, deals no, to us. You know, I used to have a Franco. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, their ages and and sometimes my age surprises me. But I, you know, not you that see, far apart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You see, um, you see, young men. You realize how young. You know, I used to think my dad. My dad passed at seventy four, and I knew it was young, younger than than some dads. But um, now I look at it and I go, wow. You know, that's, you know, I got a 95-year-old mother. I mean, that's really young, right? Like 74? Yeah. So you realize how quickly that comes. But anyway, so we can read about uh, the coverage of this DeMar Hamlin collapsing uh, incident. Um, again, as we're doing this podcast early Tuesday now, a bill safety, uh, DeMar Hamlin collapsed. He's now in a hospital in Cincinnati. Uh, in critical condition, but we can read about the coverage of that on pointer.org, right? Yes, I, I wrote it earlier. Uh, my, me and my colleague Al Tompkins wrote it together. He's a, a big TV guy, uh, covers mm-hmm. the broadcasting industry. So uh, we co bylined a story. I don't know if it's up yet. I'll check the website now, but it should be up by the morning. So Awesome. Well, always great to catch up with you. Wasn't it the planned event? We didn't have anything planned. We, we never no. plan anything. We just go. Just go, yeah. Um, so that's the fun of it, but... Uh, Appreciate it, Tommy. All right. Talk to you soon, Rick. Thanks. Man, always great to catch up with Tom Jones, no matter what the circumstance is. Hey, if you want to uh, send us some mailbag questions, I've got a few that are trickling in, but you could do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB. 
You can reach me at on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll talk more college football this week. Of course, it's the Bucks going to the Atlanta Falcons. We haven't talked much about that. They plan on playing their starters, and we can discuss that um, as well on the podcast. Uh, Tom Brady's theory on that, what he has done in the past, and whether it's a very good idea because you're talking about rest versus rest, but also huge injury impact as well that could um, certainly torpedo their plans to win in the postseason. So all of that coming up on the podcast. Thanks for listening. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tempe Times. Have a great day, everybody. 